So here we go. Dallas needs this without timeouts. Zerline will score. It's got to go 10 yards, and it's close. Zerline may have come through. Who's got it? The Cowboys have it. Do you believe that? Hey, we're rolling. We're rolling. We got all game. Oh, all game. Stay tuned, man. We got something special for y'all today. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Well, that was all a bit crazy, wasn't it? Welcome in, ladies and gents, boys and girls, week two of the NFL slate, near enough in the books. And what a wild weekend it was indeed. A couple of huge comebacks and important comebacks, which we'll talk about very shortly. Um, most of the news, let's be honest, dominated by injuries, an absolute decimation of players over the course of this weekend, which is going to have some huge ramifications for certain teams as we progress through the season. But before we get into all of that, let's welcome the boys in to the pod, the regular three-man huddle with you this week. So, Tim, welcome you in first, mate. Uh, relieved to see the Cowboys come all the way back from a big hole Sunday night. Oh, man, I've seen, I've seen uh, The Undertaker dig, dig bigger holes than, than what we just come out of. But, so, I mean... The amount of perspiration and the amount of swear words uh, on in both halves uh, was, was was something I didn't know I had in my locker. But yes, um, obviously on, on the better end of the result, you can you can smile about it. But I, during the during the game, I was doing anything but. I could certainly imagine, mate. I'll just picture your face when that onside kick was successful, but. Uh... Lawrence, your boys didn't manage to do the comeback this week. Obviously got in a hole against Arizona, um, as many teams are probably going to. Uh, but how was your weekend of football, mate? I know you enjoyed watching it and uh, particularly impressed with the play of Kyler Murray. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you, you just had to stand back and admire how good Kyler Murray is. Yep, he's five foot ten. Um, he's even smaller than Russell Wilson. But if you look at how, A, outstanding Russell Wilson is and, B, how outstanding Kyler Murray is in only his second season, I, I just I kind of forgot that I was a Washington fan and just joined the Kyler Murray fan club for that game because he, he was absolutely outstanding, especially those two touchdown runs. Um, I'll tell you one thing, I, I am feeling a little bit better than any Panthers or Lions fans and I'm not sure you, you guys know this, but the, the Panthers are currently on an 11-game losing streak and the Lions are on a 10-game losing streak. So, yeah, it's, it's, it might be bad, but as we were just saying before the, before the pod, we're all in the one-and-one one club, which is, which is not too bad after two weeks of the season. And, and I've just got one little question for Tim, see if, you, see if you're on the same wavelength as me tonight. Tim... What's your favourite flavour fruit? Oh, nah, mate. I mean, we're not on the same wavelength today. <laughs> no idea. Is it watermelon? Watermelon. I don't know. Still don't get you. Because they've nicknamed that onside kick the watermelon. Oh, really? I, yeah. I liken it to, to something at winged foot uh, in the US Open. It deserved to be on one of the greens there, didn't it? I've I've heard it be called the watermelon because of the way it kind of kind of rolled across the floor like a watermelon. So there you go. Yeah, there you go. The, I must say uh, the the arc on that kick as soon as you got to near the forty or, or wherever it was, the last couple of yards it was just as if it was possessed. It's strange. But we'll talk about that in a minute. We will indeed. We've talked about it enough, haven't we, boys? So let's get into <laughs> it. Let, let's let's yeah. start with that uh, 
that said game and the onside kick, um, as we alluded to, we just teed it up at the start of the pod. Greg Zerloin uh, manages to pull off what almost feels impossible these days in terms of executing an onside kick. I'm sure that the Falcons special teams coordinator was doing his nutting on the sideline. Obviously, the Falcons could have dropped on the ball. Um, I know that a kick has to go 10 yards, but they could have dropped on the ball. Uh, and obviously, you know, to allow it to actually go the 10 yards and, and sort of then not be in a position to recover it after having so long to, to get into position. But to be fair, it would be a little bit harsh to, to sort of, you know, just put the game into that little bracket of that onside kick. Yes, it was obviously an important play, but what a game itself. Um, I, as you know, play DraftKings. I had a bit of a Dallas stack going on at one point in the first quarter. I think I'd managed about one DraftKings point between Dak, Amari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott. It certainly got going in the end, Tim, but you talked about it earlier. Boy, did they dig themselves a hole. Talk us through the game, buddy. Yeah, it's strange. And like you say, the, the strange thing about the, uh, the onside kick at the end as well, even like you mentioned, the, the Atlanta Falcons didn't have to wait for the 10 yards. They could touch it and get on it whenever they wanted. But it's almost as if they thought they had the same rules as Dallas trying to recover it. But anyway, we'll get to that shortly. But um, yeah, I mean, you'd be forgiven to, for, for thinking that this game was hosted in, in a big top with the amount of clowning around that, that Dallas did early on. Uh, was it three fumbles, I think, in the first 10-11 snaps, uh, which allowed to, uh, the Falcons to get up uh, a, a big lead, 20 points at, at one stage. Um, the Cowboys clearly being affected by, you know, last in week one, they had the most players that went on IR after week one with nine. I think there's a, something out there that says that no other team had more than uh, any more than five. So, um, you know, obviously a couple of tackles, a couple of linebackers out with the, with the big misses. Um, but what do Falcons do with big leads? They choke it all away. Um, you know, the Cowboys tried on numerous occasions throughout the game to to give it back to them, including a, a, a absolute nonsense play calls from the sideline uh, from Mike McCarthy, uh, four from five, trying to do a rush up the middle on a fake punt with Darian Thompson, absolutely mindless, uh, and then deciding to go for two when we're down by nine with just about five minutes, five minutes or so left um, in the fourth quarter. But um, you know, a Greg Zell on onside kick. Um, and then you know it's all it's all laughs and, and giggles, but um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely bonkers uh, end to the game. And like I say, I, I will go back and watch it. Purely, well, mainly because we won, but um, yeah, not not seeing anything like it. Yeah, it was a crazy, crazy game, wasn't it? I mean, to be fair, and you know, the Falcons are getting this reputation not necessarily for for blowing leads. Obviously, we've mentioned that, and obviously, you can famously go back to the Super Bowl of a few years past. But essentially, the, the reputation for me that the Falcons are getting is that you know Matt Ryan can throw for 700 yards in a game and he still won't seem to get a win. Uh, you know, Yet again, masses yeah. of, of offensive production. Calvin Ridley had himself a day. Um, you know, and again, the Falcons come up on the short end. Uh, Russell Gage actually threw one of the nicest passes of this game for the Falcons. And Julio Jones, who's one of the best mm. to ever line up at the receiver position, Absolute butterfingers. God knows what went through him, his mind on that play because you know, essentially he was there, wasn't he? It was a walking touchdown. Gage couldn't have actually thrown a better ball if he tried and for some inexplicable reason, Julio put that one down. But, you know, we've, we've mentioned about it earlier in the season, Lawrence. It's obviously a big year for Dak Prescott. He's backed himself to play on that franchise tag. Uh, games like this certainly aren't going to do him any harm whatsoever. He's obviously coming for a lot of unfair criticism, in my opinion, from certain members of the the media in the states, and I think we all know who we're referring and, to there. And um, fourteen yards, Adam Wolford. <laughs> um, 
you know, but essentially, you know, it was a performance, you know, you could almost say he put them on his back, you know, he rushed for three touchdowns. Uh, you know, this was a real statement game from Dak, wasn't it, mate? Yeah, I mean, it's one of them ones where, where you're sitting there as a Washington fan and, and you, you see they've got this, you know, they're, they're down 20 points and you're getting quite happy and you think, oh, I'll, I'll send out a few cheeky tweets. And then I was about to compose a tweet and I thought, no. I thought this is the this is the Falcons and their defense is just horrendous and some you know I didn't think it would end the way it did I have to admit but I did think that the Cowboys were going to definitely claw their way back whether they'd win it at the end or not I don't know but I I knew it would end up close and yeah Dak is you know if you if you had him in your lineup this week I think somebody's somebody's won a hell of a lot of money with him and as I say. Did did you come out with any any cash there, Sean, with your um, with your Cowboys stack? Unbelievably, this is my fourth DraftKings game of the year. It's the only one I haven't won any money in. And I played Dak Prescott, I played Aaron Jones, I played Amari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott. I think I think the other five players in my team's got about three points between them. So yeah, the uh, the big the big guys did me good, but uh, yeah, not uh, not to be. Um, we talked about it earlier, Tim, and obviously just, you know, you alluded to the fact that the Falcons seem to have a bit of a mind lapse. In terms of that onside kick, um, you know, obviously, as we say, you know, the rules have changed in the last couple of years. The guys obviously now can't get a running start. They can't overload one side of the field. You know, what was already a very, very difficult play to execute has become nigh on impossible. Um, obviously, you know, like you say, when you're lining up to take that, and you know, the other thing to bear in mind here is Zerline actually did this without a kicking tee. I don't think I've ever seen a kicker try no. an onside kick without a tee. It usually goes for a big bounce to give the guys a chance to, to get it up, sort of yeah. run down there. Do you, do you think as much as anything that, that just even the way that Zerline kicked it is what actually confused the Falcons? No, I, I don't. I don't. I don't actually. I don't think so. Um, you know, it's an onside kick. It doesn't matter how it how it's coming, where it's coming off. If it's coming off a tee or if it's coming off sideways, um, you know. And obviously, the Falcons last week had their own onside onside kick recovered as well. So they they're fully aware of of onside kicks because they would have done it uh, when they played the Seattle Seahawks last week. So um, I I just I don't understand. It, it just was a, a mind blank. I think I think from the Falcons um, to think that they needed to wait for it to go ten yards as well. Um, that's the only thing I can think of. Just a la- elapse in their concentration and focus, and it's certainly going to be they're not going to forget it ever again. So. Yeah, and unfortunately for the Falcons, it's potentially a long way back in that division. There's obviously the Saints that people assume are going to be a bit of a powerhouse throughout the season. We're obviously expecting Brady and the Bucks to start clicking as the season rolls along. Uh, you know, it could already be looking at a bit of a hole for Atlanta to dig themselves out of. Uh, we talk about there a bit of a bonehead special teams play. Um, not so much of a bonehead play by the special teams, but was it a bit of a bonehead decision for Anthony Lynn to send out the punt team in overtime and give the ball back to Patrick Mahomes? The Chargers had given the Chiefs absolutely everything that they could handle. The Chargers' defence, one of the better units certainly in the NFL. But Lawrence... Saw a stat earlier, and apologies if either of you have got this one lined up for stats live. That the uh, the Chiefs are six and zero when trailing by ten plus points with Mahomes at quarterback in the last year. It's just a phenomenal record the guys got. You never felt that they were out of the game, but the the Chargers in Justin Herbert's debut potentially had a chance here. Did Anthony Lynn bottle it? No, I think I think they were trying to play the hot hand. I mean, you got to you got to remember here that. Um, 
Nick Bosa had his first ever takedown of Patrick Mahomes. That's that's never happened before in all the games that he's played against um, Mahomes. So that was you know that was a bit of an achievement, and it was a it was a strange game right from the start. Tyrod Taylor, due to take his second start, has chest pains, and you know what chest pains mean. So you you've got to be very very cautious there. So up steps Justin Herbert, rookie, tenth pick in the draft, first drive, absolutely tremendous. Straight down the field, scrambles for a touchdown. They're seven up. Um, and then, obviously, Patrick Mahomes comes back, gets a touchdown to Travis Kelsey. They, they, Harrison Butker makes his only mistake of the game, which has his extra point blocked. Herbert comes back again in the second quarter, throws a touchdown, the first touchdown catch on, of Jalen Guyton's career. Um, only his only his second catch of his career, mind you, um, and then as you say, Chiefs go down. They go they're down by eleven in the third quarter, and then Buck kicks his first fifty-eight yard field goal of the game, and then Mahomes again, magic, tremendous um, touchdown toss to Tyreek Hill, fifty-four yard touchdown, and they immediately come back when Mahomes hits the two-pointer to McCall Hardman. Then the Chargers, by this time, I think Justin Herbert's kind of actually woken up and realised, Christ, I'm, I'm actually starting a, an NFL game as a rookie. And it kind of, it, it, it wore him out a bit. I think he, he just didn't have that sustainability throughout the game. And then going into overtime, I think he was just, just genuinely tired. As the both teams looked at the end of it, um, Harrison Butker kicks a field goal, 30-yard field goal, with time expiring to go into overtime. And then I, I don't think Lim bottled it um, in terms of giving the ball back to Mahomes. I think they were, they were wanting that defence to cause that final turnover. They've got a good secondary. They've got a good defensive line. Un, linebackers are a bit underrated. But then, you know, how often do you win a game with a 58-yard field goal? You know, that doesn't have the percentage has got to be under, it's definitely got to be under 50 for, for that happening. So, you know, credit to the Chiefs. Um, I think the Chargers are going to have a fun season. Um, it's it's going to be interesting. Herbert did look absolutely great, and he's he's a big guy. He reminds me of kind of like a, a young Roethlisberger, he's a giant kind of tree of a human being. And you know, people like Keenan Allen. Mike Williams, they're going to be they're going to be catching balls all season. So I think that the Chargers can get, you know, possibly that sort of seven seed in the playoffs. They, they, I reckon they'll hang about for the rest of the season. But as for the Chiefs, I think they're just going to be ploughing on for a division win. Yeah, I talked about Justin Herbert in the takeaways article last week, and as much as anything, he just added a bit of excitement to the ball game, didn't he? Obviously, you know, thoughts go out to Tyrod Taylor, and let's hope it's nothing too serious. But in, in terms of what he brings at the quarterback position, we know he's he's relatively safe and steady. But you know, let's face it, he's not going to be exciting anybody. Uh, so hopefully, Justin Herbert, you know, potentially um, can take over from from here on in. Tim, you wanted to say something on this game? Yeah, I, I disagree with Lawrence. I, I think the Chargers absolutely bottled it. Yes, it's thirty. It's four from. It's, it's four from one. They're on the thirty-four yard line of their of their own. But the thing is, this is Patrick Mahomes. This is a 
this is Kansas City Chiefs, who were, I think they were the first or second in the amount of drives and in uh, score uh, percentage-wise last season. If you're, if you're giving the ball to Patrick Mahomes, you're not asking them to get a touchdown. You're only asking them to get a field goal, um, which is, is, is a lot easier, obviously, than scoring a touchdown. I just think you've got the ball. It's four from one. Just QB sneak it because they're going to they're gonna score anyway. I, 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 I see what Lawrence is saying, that they've got the better defence they have, but you just watched. Harrison Butker score to, to uh, at the field goal to take it to overtime in the first place. So I, I, I just think they should have just gone for it. If it was four from five or four from six, then fair enough, punt the ball. But four from one, I mean, yeah, yes, it, yeah, we saw from Cam Newton last night in Sunday night football. It's hard to get that 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 one yard sometimes. But yeah, you've got you've got enough plays in the in the in the playbook that they've not seen yet, or you can or can do something. You can say you've got a, a new quarterback in as well. So chances are the play you've got you could have dialed up is not something they've seen. Um, yeah, and, and as stupid. Yeah, as it I, was, sounds, I was just quite, I was quite disappointed. Yeah, and as stupid as it sounds, you mentioned Cam Newton. We'll obviously get onto that game a little bit later, but obviously fourth and one down at the goal line, it is different as well when you've got the rest of the field open. Like you say, your your whole playbook yeah. essentially yeah, yeah. is there for you. I, I'm kind of in the camp of they should have gone for it. I've got to be honest. Um, I thought the defense did play very, very well. Um, you know, but as you say, when you're only asking Mahomes to drive into field goal range. Um, massive credit to Butker as well because not only did he kick one from 53, which got called back for a penalty, he then kicked it from 58 but got iced. He, three of them, and every single one of them was just straight down the middle. I mean, talk about the guy yeah. having some ice in his veins. Uh, you know, he yeah. and Justin Tucker, to be fair, probably on a different level when it comes to the kicking game, let's be honest, two absolute weapons. As much as, you know, people say kickers don't matter, and obviously you get a lot of comments about that in fantasy football in particular, you know, these guys are pivotal in the outcome of games, aren't they? And, uh, you know, when you've got someone as reliable as him doing the job for you, you're in a pretty good place. All these fun boys on Sunday, um, you know, it's almost forgettable now that Thursday night football kicked us off um, and the Browns got into the one-on-one club, as uh, we alluded to earlier. Big night on the ground for the duo of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt running all over the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, a better game from Baker Mayfield, who didn't hardly have to attempt a pass in the second half. It was all on the ground. The man who did have many pass attempts, though, smoking Joe Burrow, 61 attempts from the rookie. Uh, and I've got to say, he looks good. Um, I think that's going to be another great addition to the quarterback room in the AFC North. Uh, you know, potentially some some really good ding dong tussles coming down the line in that division for years to come. Uh, let's hope, from a Browns perspective at least, that Mayfield continues to look a bit more like he did in Week Two. A couple of other games to get you up to speed with from the early window yesterday: Giants thirteen, Chicago seventeen. So Chicago moves to two and zero. Oh. It's a very strange two and zero, oh, though, isn't it? I don't think Chicago are particularly impressing anybody. Well, they do indeed move to two and oh, um, obviously for the Giants, and we'll touch on the injury shortly. Probably bigger concerns coming out of this game in terms of obviously losing their star man for the season. Uh, Minnesota 11, Indianapolis 28, an absolute beatdown from the Colts on the Vikings. Well, I've got to say, fellas, through two weeks, I think have been one of the most disappointing teams in the league. You know, they had plenty of expectations that they would be up there contending in the uh, in the north. Really poor showing. Kirk Cousins, obviously, with one of those days to forget, uh, throwing three interceptions on the day. We know what he's like. You know, there's not really much of an in-between with him. He's either very good or very bad. And this week, we got the very bad. 
version of Kirk Cousins, didn't we? Uh, we've already touched on it, of course, Atlanta 39, Dallas 40. So we'll skip on to the next one, and that's Detroit 21, Green Bay 42. Yet again, 40-plus points from this Packers offense. We talked so much in the offseason, didn't we, about you know what a bizarre offseason they had had. The draft was very much looking towards the future. You know, and let's face it, their first two draft selections, obviously Jordan Love hasn't seen the field. Uh, and I'm not, uh, I'm not too sure that the uh, the running back that they uh, had in the second round has even seen the field. I could be wrong on that, but certainly it was Aaron Jones that was putting up all of this. Has he seen a few? If Aaron Jones continues playing the way that he is, though, he's not going to see many. Is he? Let's <laughs> be honest. No. No. Aaron Jones no. turning himself into one of the premier backs in the uh, NFL, both from a rushing and a receiving point of view. Um, you know, he did damage on the uh, on the ground and through the air on Sunday. So another big win. He's in for... a contract year, though, I think, isn't he? Well, if he is, mate, he's certainly, in, uh, he's certainly going to get paid <laughs> the way that he's going. He's, uh, he's certainly going about that the right way. One final game that we'll go through just in this little section to bring you the result from Buffalo 31, Miami 28. Hands up, fellas, who had Josh Allen leading the league in passing after two games. Yeah, I didn't think I was going to see many hands there. But, uh, you know, again, 400 yards this week after only eclipsing 300 for the first time last week. Much improved play at the quarterback position. Stefan Diggs really does seem to really change that offense. We all expected that they would continue to be very ground heavy and Josh Allen would do more damage with his legs. But they certainly seem to be trusting Allen with doesn't, his arm. Doesn't miss Kirk Cousins. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly doesn't. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see if that continues to be the trend or whether it's just a case of that's you know, Buffalo playing the Jets and the Dolphins in consecutive weeks. Obviously it'll be interesting once their competition level goes up a notch. Right, boys, let's move on. Um we've got to talk about it. Injuries. My word, every single highlight on Sunday appeared to be an injury. And not just, you know, an injury that was knocking the guy out that he was questionable to return. Every single play just felt as though somebody was going down with, you know, a season-ending injury. Uh, it's a laundry list of players. I mean, if you were making a fancy team and you put these guys together, you'd be pretty happy with your outcome, let's be honest. Um, so let's talk about it, boys. So many um, to go through here. Um, we may as well do it position by position. So... In terms of quarterbacks, we obviously have already mentioned Tyrod Taylor. He was out, obviously, before the game with the chest pains, as Lawrence alluded to earlier. But during the action on Sunday, Tim's favourite quarterback, of course, Jimmy G, um, he went down during the 49ers game and Drew Locke... At least one team uh, improved. (laughs) (laughs) Drew Locke going down for Denver. (laughs) Denver seems to have been hit really hard with the injury bug, don't they? There's also... Cortland Sutton, which we'll come on to earlier. They obviously lost Von Miller before the season started. So, Tim, three starting quarterbacks there, all gone down. I know you've just joked that the 49ers have got better. We obviously know that they haven't, All in all seriousness. We could see the difference that Jimmy made to this side last year after a year of having um, you know, Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard at quarterback. And unfortunately for the Niners, it looks like it's going to be a few weeks for Jimmy. I think he's is a high ankle sprain, I believe. Mm-hmm. Drew Lockie's a rotator cuff, and obviously we've said Tyrod with the chest pain. So those three, mate, who do you see as being the team that's going to be, you know, the one to come out of that the worst? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, 
Yeah, unfortunately for the 49ers, Nick Mullins uh, looked work, was worse than Jimmy Garoppolo, which is, like I say, it's hard to do. Um, yeah, I mean, this, this injury list in, in, in totality is, is probably longer than the list I used to send to Santa when I was five years old. But um, in terms of like, who, who, come out, who will come out best, I think Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, Drew, Drew Lock hasn't really pulled up too many trees in the, in the uh, game and one series that he's played. But cause I think Jimmy G will probably be first back on the field uh, out of the th- um, well, actually, there was talk that Tyra Taylor's going to be the is week to week, but um, he's going to be the the starter when when healthy. So, uh, be interesting to see how that that kind of gets played out, especially when you consider um, you know, last year, obviously Tyra Taylor. Oh no, sorry, two years ago, Tyra Taylor got injured during the game on Thursday night football with the Jets, leaving Sir Baker Mayfield coming onto the field. So, um, kind of history repeating itself a little bit there. Forty um, Niners, I, I saw blamed the turf for all their, their injuries. I know we'll go through a couple of them, but um, you know, he, obviously Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't wasn't the only one. Uh, I suppose it's fortunate that they're they're not playing there again anymore for a while. Oh wait a minute, wait a minute, they're playing next week against the Giants. Um, yeah, I mean Nick, Nick Mullins came on uh, eight of eleven for seventy-one yards and one interception uh, with the scoreline twenty-one-three at the half. I suppose he's lucky that the Jets were no good. Um, obviously, I, as, as part of the betting pod, I, I said that one of my best bets for the week was the Jets to score under seventeen points, uh, which which just about came in. Obviously, got a bit bit fruity there towards the end, but um, they they show absolutely nothing. So, 49 is lucky there. It'd be interesting to see what they what they get up against with the with the Giants next week. Um, yeah, Broncos, like you say, a whole host of injuries to, to big play, you know, your you, you star players. Um, Drew Locke, obviously not quite in the same echelon as, as those, but yeah, sprained AC joint, three to five weeks, likely. Um, obviously, I thought that uh, was a Bud Dupree sack, wasn't it? Um, but I, I thought Jeff Driscoll, actually, I was quite impressed by him a little bit with what, what he came in and did, especially against the uh, the Steelers' defence. You know, it's, it's a stout defence and you've got some stars uh, all, littered all over that, that, that back, uh, back eleven. He came out at 18 to 34, 256 yards, two touchdowns, uh, and one interception. I'd say there's not really many quarterbacks in uh, for the rest of the, the rest of the 15 weeks that uh, put up. Uh, you know, they'd love to have those numbers that, that he's put up. Um, showed no respect for the Steelers' defense, uh, but yeah, I think he'll be in for a couple of weeks, and just depends to see uh, how how quick they want to rush through lock back in. Um, to, to put, I think it would be result dependent. Um, on when they when they bring him back in, uh, and then yeah, Tyra Taylor obviously chest injury ag- aggravated before um, in, in pregame warmups. Uh, we've, we've talked about um, in Justin Herbert and, and what he did uh, on the field. So it'd be, inter- it'd be interesting to see how Anthony Lynn kind of plays that because obviously Tyra Taylor is kind of Anthony Lynn's guy from back in the Buffalo days. Um, but it'd be interesting to see. It's interesting that they've given him a week to week designation. Uh, I don't I don't know whether that's because they wanted to see what it's like in training each week or whether or not they actually do want to go back to Tyrod because the, the cat's out of the bag now with, with, with Justin Herbert and I say he showed quite a lot of um, a decent play uh, against one of the best teams, you know, the Super Bowl champions. So, um, yeah, you have to just watch the news for that one. But I, I, I thoroughly expect Tyrod Taylor to be back under centre uh, in week three. We will wait and see. Some guys that definitely won't be suiting up in week three. Let's turn to the running back room and Lawrence Boy. Oh boy, are there some big names on here? Christian McCaffrey, they reckon four to six weeks for run CMC. Saquon Barkley, done for the year, torn ACL. Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman went down for the 49ers. Uh, another backfield duo that went down um, was um, Malcolm Brown and Cam Akers for the Rams. So the, the NFC West gain an absolute battering there in the backfield. Obviously, the two big names that stand out, CMC and Barkley, devastating injuries, mate. Obviously, you know, 
simple question, I suppose, is can either the Panthers or the Giants win any games while these guys aren't on the field? I think the Giants have a semblance of a passing game, but the problem they've got is the the depth at running back is pretty much non-existent. For all those people that would have drafted Saquon Barkley either at the the one or the two slot, which is which would have been the, you know pretty much consensus uh, across the planet in terms of picking um, McCaffrey one or or Barkley one. But Saquon Barkley's 2020 statistics will read as follows: 19 attempts for 34 yards. That is his 2020 output, which. I mean, I, I, anyone, hands up if, if he's derailed your fantasy team. He's derailed plenty of mine. Yep, see, hands up there. It's, it's absolutely gutting. And he, he took a hit before he took the, the big hit as well. He, he, he already looked kind of in pain and he came off and, they, and he immediately got put back on. And I'm kind of going, didn't he just take a hit a couple of plays ago? And then bang, that's it. He's gone for the season. They're, they're giving Devontae Freeman a workout, but I, I think Devontae Freeman has been given a workout by the other 31 teams, I think, prior to the start of this season. So let's see if he finally signs with somebody. You can't go to a season with Dion Lewis as your lead tailback. That's just not going to happen. Um, they were that confident in Barkley going into week two that they didn't even have a third string running back. Wayne Gorman was inactive. Obviously, he's, he, he will get activated. But if they don't sign Freeman, they're going to sign somebody um, to make up for it. But nobody, or nobody, is going to make up for the loss of Saquon Barkley. All it means is you're going to get um, even more production from Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton throughout the rest of the season. They are going to be pass-happy. Daniel Jones is is well worth a pickup because they're, they're going to just have to pass the ball. It's as simple as that. They're going to be down in games. They're going to just have to get that ball. They're going to have to get that ball moving in the air. So, yeah, Daniel Jones is, is a, you know, I think he's going to be a relatively cheap pickup, especially if you're playing um, daily fantasy. So get yourself a bit of Daniel Jones as the season progresses. As for um, Christian McCaffrey, that four to six week injury, Mike Davis steps up. Who? Mike Davis, you know, reliable backup, you know, when McCaffrey takes a bit of a breather. But we know the snap percentage that McCaffrey takes in terms of running the ball. It's probably the highest of, of the entire NFL. And the second string running back for the Carolina Panthers is now Trenton Cannon. Now, Trenton Cannon last touched the ball in November 2018 in, in mop-up duty for a Jets blowout win against the Lions and I think I think the Pants will go shopping again there'll be another team looking for a running back they have got the ability to promote Reggie Bonifon who was a, a backup that they they cut and then put on the practice squad and Bonifon has got a 7.3 yards per carry average so pretty good there and then we move on to the the 49ers running back so I think 49ers fans are going to have burning mouths after swallowing some Coleman's Mostert injury news. <laughs> that was my worst pun of the, that is, of the day. That is awful. <laughs> I mean, I love, a, I love a pun. I love a bad pun, but that was 
awful. <laughs> oh, sorry, I just got to recover there. Um, Moster, mild MCL sprain. Um, this was after taking the opening handoff, 80 yards for a score. And he's actually, in the last three seasons, he's clocked up the fastest speed recorded by an NFL player. 23.09 miles an hour he got up to. And here's a little quiz question. So Mostert has the fastest clocked time of this season. Who has the second fastest clock time of this season? Oh, God. Um, you, know, you know I have to do my one, my one question a week. Yeah. Uh, Got to be somebody that's had a fairly lengthy touchdown so then get up to speed. I'm going to go with Aaron Jones. He read a 75-yarder the other day, didn't he? I'm going to go Aaron Jones. No. Um, I'll go with oh geez, oh, I don't know James Connor. No, it's actually Moster again oh, yeah. for his week one touchdown against the Cardinals. Trick so, question. Moster, yeah, it was a slight. It, it was you know it was there, but yeah, Moster's had the two fastest runs of the season. Incredibly, um, Tevin Coleman, who's. We're not quite sure what the status of his of his knee is. He had a, a really disappointing stat line on, on Sunday. Um, 12 yards on 14 carries. And then the biggest irony of all of this for the 49ers running back kind of, you know, the the that kind of unit is they're now left with Jarrett McKinnon, who was injured for the entire last two seasons. So, you know, good it was great to see Jarrett McKinnon get his first touchdown for for over two years, but you know, you, you just never know with, with McKinnon, he could get injured. Um, I think my favorite play of the entire weekend was actually that third and 31. I don't know if you guys saw it, it was third and 31 um, from the 49ers 11 yard line. And they just went, okay, well, we'll hand it off to McKinnon and see if we can get a couple of yards before we punt. He goes for 55 yards. So I thought that, that was that was an incredible run there from from McKinnon, and then the 49ers, What are they left with? They got Jeff Wilson, who's not hurt, and and then they've got on, on the practice squad they've got a, a rookie, Jermichael Hasty from Baylor. So they they they've got a bit more depth, I think, than the than the Panthers um, have, and you know, and the Giants have, but you know, it's still going to be a bit of a mixed backfield. The, the Rams situation, Brown and Akers. Akers suffered a rib injury early on. Malcolm Brown had a, um, a late finger injury. So hopefully he can recover from that and, and pick up the workload. But it was um, Daryl Henderson had 121 yards from scrimmage, which was pretty good. As I say, I think Brown's going to be back. He's going to split the carries. Um, and then the one guy left for the, for the Rams is undrafted free agent Xavier Jones who rushed for almost 3,500 yards for SMU. So this is, this is where everyone's missed out with the preseason because we don't know who those hidden gems are because we haven't seen them playing in a preseason. So you never know. Xavier Jones could be a, an absolute star, but you know he, he might have an opportunity now at some point in the season. So there we go. Yeah, no, absolutely. Next man up, mate. That's always the, the mantra, isn't it? And uh, Tim, let's move to the wide receiver room. So... Kind of already touched on it earlier, but Corden Sutton done for the year, another ACL. Um, Paris Campbell done for the year, ACL. He had a promising week one for the Colts. 
And then two others that um, cropped up, which are certainly big names and going to be significant if they do miss time, Sammy Watkins um, and, more importantly, possibly, Devontae Adams uh, with a hamstring. Good for our sandwich bet, though, fellas. There's only me with a healthy receiver, as things stand. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the Devontae Adams one, I, I don't know if it's just blind hope because I haven't been in a few fancy leagues as well, and obviously our sandwich bet, but um, he wasn't actually declared out at any point during the game against the Lions. Uh, which is usually a good sign. Uh, but you, again, with, with Hammy in, uh, injuries, you don't really know the severity. So I'm, I'm hoping it's more precautionary. Uh, he did have quite a, a largely ineffective game. All the other guys kind of got a go. He targeted the uh, tight end quite a lot as well. But um, yeah, con- considering he wasn't ruled out for the whole game, like most of the other people that dropped like Flyers did, um, I think I'm hoping I'm clutching at straws um, that that's, that's a good sign. Yeah, Paris Campbell uh, doesn't seem to be able to get onto the field. He could be another one that's plagued a uh, plagued injury career. But yeah, like I say, he's done for the year. I'll expect Michael Pittman Jr. to, to be able to step up, step up now. Uh, obviously, their second round pick from the 2020 draft. Uh, Sammy Watkins, I, mean, I don't know how much of a miss he actually is because he usually goes missing after week one anyway. Uh, but he's obviously saw a big hit. He got a big hit and then he was seeing birds fly around. Um, he'll obviously he'll be in the concussion protocol, so he shouldn't be out for, for too long indeed. Um, also, one thing I did notice as well about a majority, a sleuth of, of wide receivers, including Julio and, and Tyreek, they had both you know, portions on the sideline with you know, cramps, hammies. Um, so obviously... Yeah, we can talk about lack of conditioning and lack of preseason. Um, it is, is totally the reason why these these players are all getting injured and not being able to recover you know, properly because they've not getting gotten used to the hits. They're not conditioned or acclimatized to to the brutality of the of the NFL. So, you know, no one's going to com- convince me any differently that that yeah, this is the reason we're seeing so many people go down with injuries. Um, you know, and Achilles Achilles tears as well. How many people have tore their Achilles this weekend? They, they, that seems to be as uh, as common as a stubbed toe these days. Um, yeah, lots of wide receivers down. Um, I say lots of people cramping up, lots of people with hammies. And it, unfortunately, it's not just going to be the, the the story week two. It's going to be pretty much every week for the next couple of weeks until, you know, the the, the players get used to playing week in week out because um, they've not they've not been able to do it because of obviously COVID and and the, the stunted uh, off season. Yeah, well, well, we're going to unfortunately mention a few more that have done the uh, Achilles uh, when we move on to the defensive players shortly. But just as you mentioned that, man, I, I spotted this tweet earlier from Jeff Reinbold. Shout out to, to Coach. He's a, a great uh, advocate of the NFL UK community. Um, and his tweet was, Achilles tears, a once never heard of injury. Now he's almost as common. He went with an ankle sprain, mate, as opposed to a stub toe. But he says it's now almost as common as an ankle sprain. The NFL Players Association needs to examine this instead of messing with the kicking game rules. Really protect your players and get a handle on why. And it is interesting, that, isn't it? Because like you say, it did seem as though near enough every other injury this weekend was the Achilles. And that does lead us, unfortunately, Lawrence, onto the defensive side of the ball where we've got Malik Hooker, done for the season. Achilles, Nick Bowser, done for the season. Achilles. A um, couple of others that went down as well. Anthony Barr, um, you know, one of the uh, the good linebackers on that um, Vikings team, which are already struggling. The nail is a big piece of their defense. So again, even on the the uh, defensive side of the ball, uh, some big names going down, mate. Yeah, I mean, I think Tim and I have officially cursed anybody who has a chance of winning any kind of end of season award. We both had Nick Bosa um, for leading the league in sacks and he's he's lost for the season um it's yeah absolute nightmare for for the 49ers and i think 
like, like the Cowboys were, were cursed week one. The 49ers have been absolutely cursed week two. And how they've, you know, how they managed to kind of survive that week and, and with a healthy win, nobody really knows. It's, it's, a, it's a massive, massive blow for the 49ers. And don't forget, they, they lost Solomon Thomas as well. There are other first-round defensive linemen. And, you know, they're, they're, they're clutching a little bit at straws now. I think they've had Ezekiel Ansar in, see if they're going to sign him. But there's, that's no way, no way is that going to replace um, what Nick Bosa is going to leave behind. So, you know, that's, it's, I don't think the 49ers will recover from that. I, I had them to, you know, even go back all the way back to the Super Bowl, but I'm I'm changing my mind now. I don't think that's gonna happen. I think Bosa was the 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 player that was putting them over the edge in terms of being a mediocre team to being a, a talented team. Um and then we've we we've had Byron Jones, the big free agency signing for the Dolphins. He went down, the the cornerback went down just four snaps into the game with a groin injury. And I swear to God, he only went down injured so I've got to pronounce his backup's name so here we go I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to I'm going to murder it again Noah Igbinogany 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 sounds good to me Igbinogany likes mahogany right so yeah <laughs> <laughs> I have to remember that Igbinogany yeah so I mean this this don't forget this was the Dolphins um, cornerback duo that I think were the, the most expensive cornerback duo in NFL history. And now we're, we haven't quite got the designation on Jones, but if you don't hear anything immediately, it doesn't sound like a particularly good sign. So I don't expect to see him straight away. Malik Hooker, big injury history. The Colts decided not to pick up his fifth year option because of those injuries in part. He, he had a, an Achilles injury in 2017 as a rookie and he tore his meniscus last season. I think it is probably the last time you'll ever see him suit up as a Colt. I don't think they'll, they'll want him back. I think he'll, he might go onto the NFL scrap heap. He might find a team somewhere else and some redemption. So good luck to Malik Hooker. And for the Vikings, Anthony Barr, a big loss. I mean, this is a a defense that was supposed to be performing and they've, they've, kind of been dropped on from great heights for the past couple of weeks and was it not for T.Y. Hilton not dropping that pass in the end zone from Philip Rivers it could have been a blowout as it was the they kind of the the Colts used that running game to just kind of gradually wear the Vikings down but they 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 should have and could have put a lot more points on the Vikings defense but don't forget this is a this is a team that's missing I think one of the outstanding defensive ends in, in the entire league, which is Daniel Hunter. And I think they've really, really missed Daniel Hunter. So, you know, I've got my last final. I'm going to give you a pun warning, Tim, for this one. So it could be a painful season with the only skull being served, the one in pints for Vikings fans to cry into. And better than Coleman's mustard, mate. I've got to say, got to say it was better than your Coleman's mustard. Um, Let's go through some more games, fellas. We've talked enough about injuries. It was a devastating week. Let's move on to some results. So, Washington 15, Arizona 30. Um, more impressive play from Kyler Murray, as we touched on earlier. Uh, and the first touchdown of his Cardinals career for DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, Baltimore 33, Houston 16. The Ravens continue to look impressive, don't they? 
getting it done whichever way the seemingly they want to. Um, I think they rushed 10 times in the first half for about 60 yards, and then in the second half they rushed for, I think it was around about 20-odd times for about 140-odd yards. So, you know, just goes to show that they can do whatever they need to to get the job done. They're certainly going to be there or thereabouts, aren't they, um, in the playoff mix for the AFC. Uh, San Francisco, as we just mentioned during the injury report, did absolutely wallop the Jets in the end, 31-13, to 13, despite losing all of those players to injury. Surely it's a race between Adam Gase and Matt Patricia as to who is going to get the sack first. Jacksonville, another spirited performance from the Jags, 30 more points on the offensive side of the ball. Gordon Minshew again had himself a nice game. Um, unfortunately, when trying to get the Jags down into field goal range at the end of the game, he had a pass batted at the line, which ultimately got intercepted. So Tennessee cling on for the 33-30 to victory. Uh, another team clinging on in the end, the Pittsburgh Steelers, 26 against Denver, 21. Uh, we were, again, during the injury report, and it's a common theme here, isn't it, during the injury report? We mentioned about Denver losing both Cortland Sutton and Drew Locke, Jeff Driscoll, you being most of the way in this one. Um, I'm still not having Pittsburgh, fellas. It could be because I'm a Browns fan, but I'm still not having Pittsburgh. Okay. I honestly still I still don't think they're as, as good as advertised on defence, and I've, I've still got real concerns with that offence. Um, you know, surprised, anyway, I'm surprised the amount of success Jeff Driscoll had, though. Yeah, I think that's surprising as much as a backup QB. He's not going to have got any snaps mm. during the course of the week. Mm. Um, and obviously, as we've talked about a few times, he's not had a preseason. Um, you know, but I, I just think you know when you consider that the, the, the Steelers were up against the Giants in week one um, and essentially did shut down Saquon on the running game, um, you know, potentially people just got a little bit carried away with just how I don't, I don't buy... I don't. I don't buy all the uh, Chase Claypool clamouring as well. That that long, that long bond touchdown should have been a um, should have been a foul penalty. Yeah, agree. OPI wasn't called though, so there you go. Um, anyway, I'm sounding like a bitter Browns fan, fellas. <laughs> so let's move on. Let's move on to um, talk about some of our winners and losers from the week. Uh, I don't really want to just sort of say it's fairly simple and straightforward to say any guy that got injured is obviously a loser this week. You know, we've already gone through those names. So, Tim, let's come to you to start us off, mate. Winners and losers, in your opinion, from this week. Yeah, two quarterbacks. Uh, We mentioned one of them already. I'll get to him shortly. But the winner for me, Russell Wilson, I think, obviously being on Sunday Night Football. Yes, they probably should have lost last night with, uh, with Cam Newton at the one yard line. Um, but he's certainly now getting applauded. Uh, you know, he, he managed to put up, um, I think it was five touchdown passes on a defence that only gave up four uh, passing t- touchdowns all of last season. So, um, yeah, a long bomb to DK Metcalf, some some clutch throws. The, what the touchdown to Tyler Lockett was, was a thing of beauty as well on the run. Um, he, he played exemplary. Uh, was a really was a real pleasure to watch that game uh, on both sides of the ball. So um, I think uh, it was quite funny actually during commentary. I don't know if they showed this on on or, or, on whatever, but uh, the, the, the three hour version that I watched back on Game Pass, Chris Collinsworth said that obviously because he works for PFF, he was he actually got a vote for the MVP last year, but and he actually said that he was going to vote for Russell Wilson, but he didn't get his vote in time and for the ballot. So that's why his his vote essentially didn't didn't count. I don't know if he was just playing to the crowd a little bit on there as well, but. Um, yeah, obviously I made uh, a note of Russell Wilson not actually ever receiving an MVP vote. 
uh, noted all the players that had done. Um, I think it's fair to say that he's that he's going to get some MVP votes this season if he plays all 16. Um, certainly off the bat, he, I think he's a front runner after two weeks. To be quite honest, him and him and Aaron Rodgers. Um, so he's my winner. Um, my loser, Kirk Cousins. We've already mentioned him. A pathetic performance from him. 11 of 26 for 113 yards uh, and three interceptions. Had a 15.9 quarterback rating. At, uh, uh, when it was five minutes to go in the third quarter, he actually had a passer rating of zero. And did you know that if you, if you drop back and spike the ball, uh, you get a quarterback rating of 39.6. So that just shows you how good uh, Kirk Cousins was uh, against the Indianapolis Colts. So if you if you go go to your dictionary, go to your Oxford Collins, look up the word loser, and it'll say see Kirk Cousins in there. <laughs> we always bask at the fact that he gets paid so much money to do it as well, doesn't he? It's, it's got to go down as one of the, the worst contracts surely given out in NFL history. Just in terms of Russell Wilson, before I turn my attention to yourself, Lawrence, I think we talked before the season kicked off, didn't we, about potential MVPs, and we said it was very much a narrative-type award as well, and I find it quite amazing how much talk there is already about the fact that Russell Wilson has never received a vote. There are several players who've never received a vote, obviously, Um, you know, but it it does seem to be getting mentioned an awful lot. I've not received a vote. No, I haven't had one either. No, no. So, um, yeah, it does seem a little uh, strange that already this early in the season, there, there is very much a bandwagon to get uh, Russ some votes. And look, I'm a massive fan, and I think it'll be fully deserved if he if he does ultimately go into it. I think he was probably, certainly for the first 10 to 12 weeks of last season, the only guy that was probably even close to pushing you know, the eventual winner in Lamar Jackson. Um, you know, so I think, you know, if he continues in the vein that he started, then like you say, he's going to be there or thereabouts. Lawrence, let's come to you, mate, for your winners and losers of week two. Well, my first winner, well, my winner for this week, we've already spoken about him a little bit, is Bill's quarterback, Josh Allen, who is playing out of his gourd at the moment. The Bills are 2-0, and he's racking up monster passing yards. And it was it was interesting because I put up a very short and just not expecting a lot of response on, on Twitter on Sunday morning, I think, saying, am I sane starting Josh Allen over Deshaun Watson? And it, it, it just blew up the, the commentary. I had people following me because they'd never followed me before, just from this, oh, this question. I, I had loads and loads of, loads of comments, loads of questions, loads of kind of banter with it and I was like wow this is this is incredible stuff and I was absolutely right because he had more than double the fantasy output of Deshaun Watson which is not exactly surprising you know one one was facing the um the Dolphins and the other one was facing a a lot tougher defense in the Ravens but even so you know to completely double that output you know that was it was it probably won people money. Um, Josh Allen being in the starting lineup and for DraftKings, he, he was he wasn't the, the wasn't a bad price at all. So that was that he was definitely my winner. And I think if he keeps continuing to play mistake-free football, and as we said with with Stephon Diggs just opening up the the field, you've got the Bills, the Devin Singletree's just kind of he's plodding along. Zach Moss is is doing great as a rookie. I think they they have a lot of prospects there. So staying in the AFC East for my loser this week, and we're starting to already kind of 
get the the axes sharpened already and that's um, Adam Gase the the Jets head coach and we all know the NFL stands for not for long and if Gase continues to do what he's doing at the moment then I can't see him lasting and and that media spotlight is you know on the the anyone who's coaching in New York has that media spotlight on them far harder than it does in somewhere like you know Jacksonville or Carolina so I think if if Gase continues to to flop he will become the first coaching casualty so he's definitely a loser for me this week yeah I think we've talked about it long enough haven't we it just feels like a matter of time unfortunately for for Adam Gase, um, you know, and every week that goes by just feels like a week wasted. Um, I also feel as though Sam Darnold's gained a little bit of a pass because of that situation. Um, you'd like to see a bit more growth out of him in his third year. Um, but obviously, you know, Adam Gase has gained himself that reputation of, of being a bit of an offence wrecker, unfortunately. Uh, pretty obvious that it was Peyton Manning doing all of the good work in Denver all those years ago, where Gase obviously built up his reputation. Um in terms of winners and losers for me this week, boys, I'm actually going to go with a um, quarterback on the losing side as a bit of a winner for this week. And I'm going to go with Cam Newton. Um, Cam put up near enough 400 yards through the air. And I think if anybody was in any doubt whatsoever um, that he has still certainly got it and can perform at this level, um, I think he's answered any of those doubters. You know, fair play to the Patriots. They have obviously adapted a scheme that suits his skill set and his style. Um, you know, but ultimately, you look around the league now, and we've talked about the fact that you've got guys like Jeff Driscoll suiting up next week. You know, no disrespect to Jeff Driscoll, but you know, you've got guys like him suiting up next week, and you sit there and you think, how on earth have thirty-one other teams allowed the New England Patriots to sign Cam Newton for peanuts? You know, he, he's on the most team-friendly contract and, you know, just an absolute, you know, brilliant story for him as an individual. But it, it just is absolutely staggering that the rest of the NFL have just sat back and watched it unfold. They've, you know, we've just sat through a, a, a dynasty of, of Tom Brady for all these years. And, you know, let's not say all of a sudden that Cam's going to go and win multiple Super Bowls, but he's certainly going to keep the Patriots relevant. He's certainly going to have them there or thereabouts in the division. You know, there were people pre-season talking about the Patriots going something like 3-13 and 13 or 4-12. and 12 And, you know, I think he's going to be a lot closer to being the other way around, isn't it? Let's yeah. be honest. So He threw some well, absolute lasers, didn't he? Yeah, and for me, like I say, although he was on the losing end of it, I think, you know, for me, he he has to come out of this week as a, as a winner. Um, you know, he, he ends up, like I say, 397 yards. I think I'm right in saying it's the third highest yardage output of his entire career um, in terms of passing. Um, you know, so certainly he looks to be settling in, in New England. Uh, loser for me this week, fellas, I'm going to go with Carson Wentz. Um, the Eagles look poor. They really do look poor, which I know is music to your ears, and I can see you both nodding along in agreement. Um, but you know, let's be honest, the Eagles look fairly horrible. Yes, I know they're battling with a lot of injuries. Uh, you know, but it was you know multiple interceptions from Carson Wentz yet again. Um, you know, and the only thing that you know is going right for the Eagles is the fact that the you know the East is off to a slow start. So obviously, that's why it was so important for Dallas to overturn that Falcons result, um, because obviously everyone expects that it will be either the Eagles or the Cowboys come the end of it. 
Um, but I've got to say, you know, I've seen a lot more encouragements out of Washington in the first two weeks than I have out of Philadelphia. And I certainly think in terms of the longer term, you know, I think Washington are setting themselves up, building a nice defence. Um, you know, the Eagles really struggling at the moment. It would seem to find an identity. Uh, and they now have a huge week three matchup. You know, and they obviously very, very quickly need to get into the win column. Lawrence, you look primed to say something, my friend. No, it's just, I'd, I'd still... I still haven't got faith in Dwayne Haskins yet. I still haven't got faith in him. I, 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 I think what the Washington football team will do is they'll, they'll trot out a bit of Kyle Allen um, because Ron Rivera brought him over from Carolina. Kyle Allen had a pretty good you know, completion percentage and he started off last season pretty hot before it kind of faded away a little bit. So... I think Kyle Allen's going to see the field sooner than later. And I noticed the rather lingering looks by the, the television cameras on Alex Smith, who's kind of standing on the sidelines stroking his goatee. And it just makes you think. And, and it was my prediction that I think Alex Smith will be suited up and booted up by Halloween. And I'm still sticking with that prediction. Yeah, look, I mean, if it come if that comes to fruition, it's obviously going to be a great story for for Alex Smith himself. But you know, he he ultimately is going to give Washington a better chance. You would think to win win football games. Um, you know, outside of, of Terry McLaurin, who you know had a, a nice bounce back game after a quietish week one. You know, he went what was it seven for one twenty five this week. Um, you know, the, they're obviously not got as many weapons on that side of the ball. Um, you know, so if Alex Smith can come in, bit of a veteran presence, he's been there, done it. He's always had a reputation as a game manager, a little bit unfairly in my opinion, but that's the reputation he's been he's been sort of bestowed upon him. Um, you know, I think that defense will keep Washington in a number of games. So if that does happen, mate, I think uh, like I say it may well be that there's a few more W's on the Washington schedule. Uh, let's whiz through the remainder of the games then, fellas. Um, I've just mentioned it there, the disappointing result for the Eagles losing 37-19 to 19 to the Rams. I did say don't sleep on the Rams. I think they're another team that people were writing off before the season had got underway. Uh, but they moved to 2-0. and oh. uh, Kansas City 23-20 over the Chargers in overtime. We talked about that earlier. Carolina 17, Tampa Bay 31. So, you know, Tampa getting the first win in the Tom Brady era. Looked at one stage as though that could get out of hand. But to be fair to Carolina, they kept on battling. Um, still a few kinks for Brady and Cow to work out there. And the final result, just to bring you up to date on all of the week two scorelines, is of course the Sunday night football ding dong that we just talked about. 30 New England, 35 Seattle. If you haven't watched it yet and you haven't had a chance, go and get it on your Game Pass. You will not be disappointed. Cracking way to round out what was a brilliant week of football, fellas. Lots of injuries, which is obviously a real shame. But the actual quality of the matchups, the score lines, you know, there's points galore. Um, you know, a really, really, really entertaining week of football. Uh, let's bring you up to speed on our Pick'em competition. Um, so, so far, obviously 15 games played in the week and we did say we will be giving away some full 10 yards merchandise <laughs> if anybody managed to get a perfect 16 or however many games there are in that week. I've got to be honest, when we said we would do that, we didn't envisage that as many as three people might win it in a single week. Uh, so, if that does come to fruition, then you know, we will 
near enough stick to our word. We will give some merchandise away, but we will stick the names into a hat and we will draw the lucky winner. Um, so the three that are potentially up for going perfect this week are Josh Fields, Funky Baggy, and some very intelligent chap called Sean from the full 10 yards. I will be nice, fellas. If I go perfect, I will remove my name from the prize draw. I've got plenty <laughs> of full 10 yards T-shirts. Um, but, yeah, good week for me. 15 out of 15 so far. just need the Saints for a perfect week. Fair good play luck to, Good luck Fair to the two... Good luck to the two fellas, whoever you're on. We obviously can't see who you've got. I would imagine we're probably all on the Saints. So, fingers crossed, maybe, fellas, for a Raiders win. It'll save us some postage and packaging, but uh, <laughs> we shall wait and see. Um, David, too, still leads the overall contest, though, on 27 points. He was up there at the top last week as well. If you haven't got involved yet, please do so. We've said the more people that enter, the better the prizes will be. Uh, so, get involved. Right, boys, that's all of week three's scores done. Let's move on to some stats. See if you can impress me this week. Before we start, I'm pulling you up, Mr. Voss, for giving me some dodgy information last Ooh. week. Dodgy information cheat, that actually cheat, got... Cheat, cheat, Dodgy information that actually secured you the victory last week. I was that impressed with it. And it, it's essentially because you fed me a load of crap, didn't you? Come on. God, God damn Philip Lindsay. Who does he think he is getting that extra nine yards... And no, it does not rest easy on me at all. I, I was absolutely mortified when that WhatsApp <laughs> conversation appeared. I, I could have just, you know, I could have gone into the same hole that the Cowboys went into early in week two and, and kind of sat there and dwelled there for a week. But I thought, no, I've got to come back out fighting. So I've, I, let's just say I've comprehensively done my own research this weekend um, and, you know, I, I I don't think I'm going to win this week, but I've got I've got a few. I'm I'm playing it safe this week. I'm, I'm playing it safe. Well, I will referee the contest fairly. I will not let last week's uh, misdemeanors get in my way of my judgment. So I will pick the winner from the best stats. So, Tim, hit us up, mate. Let's get you on the hockey first. Give us your first one. Okay, I'll save my best one for till last. Um, well, we should, we should go for it. I'll I'll give you I'll give you a two for one. To start off the bat, so two for plus one. Packers, the Green Bay Packers are the eighth team in the Super Bowl era to score forty plus points in each of their first two games. The last two teams to do it were the 2013 Broncos and the 2009 Saints. They both went to the Super Bowl. On top of that, this is the third time that Aaron Rodgers has scored forty points in back-to-back games. The previous two times he did that, he went to win the MVP award. Very good. I don't know if that was a two for one, a three for the price of two. There were stats galore there, mate. But yeah, good uh, good signs indeed for any Green Bay fans listening. Lawrence, let's come to you for your first one, mate. Well, this is this is my my cheeky DraftKings pick of the week, Jordan Reed, the 49ers tight end who came in for the injured George Kittle. He has now caught eight pairs of touchdowns in games in his career and this was the first time he's done it as a 49er in only his second game in San Francisco the last time he had a pair of touchdowns was a um, a loss to the Eagles in 2017 but he was on the winning side of a game against the Eagles scoring two touchdowns on Boxing Day in 2015 very good. It's a, such a shame Jordan Reed's career. He's been so blighted by injuries. He, he potentially could have had an absolutely monster career. 
Uh, but, you know, obviously when he's healthy, good to see him out on the field making the plays that we all know that he can. Tim, round number two, hit us up. Okay, second one up, the Dallas Cowboys one. For you, no player in the Super Bowl era has ever had 300 passing yards and three rushing touchdowns in a single single game. Dak Prescott had 312 passing yards and three touchdowns in the second half as they came back to defeat the Falcons. Prescott only had five rushing attempts, three of which were at scores. Certainly what you call efficient. I think even I could have probably managed to get the yardage that Dak managed on those three, <laughs> to be fair. Um, but uh, obviously any Ezekiel Elliott fancy owners would have been doing uh, kittens. But now good, uh, good game from Dak. We mentioned it earlier. That's impressive, man. I've got to say, if it's never been done in NFL history and Dak managed it in a half, I'm, uh, I'm impressed with that. That's certainly leading the way as things stand. Lawrence, back over to average, you. He's average. All right. I have to do it. I've, I've got to give a little little retro shout-out this week. So, oh, nice. two teams since 1940 who have had a 20-point lead through the first quarter of a game and ended up to committing zero turnovers have gone on to lose the game. One was the Falcons against the Cowboys. The other was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the Chicago Bears in 1987. The three and two Bucks had a 20-0 lead after one quarter against the Bears and a nine-point lead at the half. They extended it in the third quarter, but came back with a Jim McMahon rushing touchdown. And Jim McMahon sealed the, the win just with a touchdown pass to Neil Anderson, the guy who effectively replaced Walter Payton in the Bears' backfield. Kevin Butler now the extra point for the win. And playing in that game coming back from three weeks of injury was none other than Washington football team head coach, Ron Rivera. Riff about Ron. Nice. 33 years. 33 years it's taken somebody to blow such a lead. Well done, the Atlanta Falcons. Well done, indeed. Tim, you said you were leaving your best one to the last, mate, so hit, it, hit us with it. Right, okay, here we go. The LA Chargers quarterback, Justin Herbert, was the first player with a rushing touchdown and passing touchdown in the first half of an NFL debut since 1954. Now, you might not think that's a great stat, but if you look at the name of the last person that that was, this is the cherry on top. His name, New York Giants, are Bobby Clatterbuck. <laughs> You're just going for the fact that I love a good name, aren't you? Just trying to get yourself Absolutely. some bonus points. Hand it to the you. crowd. Indeed. Yeah, no, good one. No, really impressive from Justin Herbert on the weekend. And, and like we say, I, I hope to see plenty more of him throughout the season. Lawrence, throw the last one out there for this week, my friend. Well, I've just got to get out my giant knife and, and just spread a bit more hate on Kirk Cousins' um, piece of toast this evening. Kirk Cousins <laughs> had his... <laughs> he had his second lowest <laughs> completion percentage... In his 95-game career, 42.3%, but not his worst. His worst is when he had 30 incompletions against the Giants in 2013, and he, he completed 38.8% of his passes. His 113 yards against the Colts was the sixth worst outing by yards in his career, and only the second time he's in, in, his, in his NFL tenure that he's posted a zero touchdown and three interception stat line. And the last time he did it was in 2017. 
So what we say is he's been consistently bad for quite some time. Is that is that really what we're trying to say here in terms of Kirk Cousins? He he does have some absolute stinkers, doesn't he? For, I'm not sure. I'm not sure we're trying to say. It. I think we are saying it. <laughs> for as many decent games as he can potentially put together, boy oh boy, can he choke it up! Right, I'm giving the win this week to Mr. Monk. I like the Dak Prescott one. That was my favourite from that selection. Um, to do that in a half is pretty impressive. Uh, plus the fact that I just really enjoyed watching that game on Sunday night. Like I say, it was very relaxing after watching the Browns get a win on Thursday. Um, so, yeah, Tim takes it this week for me. You got any stats for us? Hit us up on the Twitter at Full10Yards, of course. Um, right, boys, sandwich bet update time. So, like I alluded to earlier, it's looking good for me from a receiving point of view. Devontae Adams is out for God knows how long. Kenny Golladay still hasn't seen the field. Unfortunately for me, the only problem is Julio Jones only added 23 receiving yards to his total for the season. So, uh, yeah, not exactly looking great on that front. In terms of the rushing side of things, if I could just add Kareem Hunt's numbers to Nick Chubb, we'll go for about 6,000 yards, boys, the way things are looking. I mean, forget 2,000. Has there ever been a better running back duo in the NFL? And yes, I'm a homer, and yes, I'm biased, but boy, are those too good. <laughs> boy, are those too good. Uh, all joking aside, averaging 6.6 yards a carry between them so far through two games of the season. Um, the Browns really have taken advantage of the off-field situation with Kareem Hunt and got him on a ridiculously cheap deal. Um, you know, I just hope that that actually means that they can ultimately pay Nick Chubb when that time comes around because, you know, for me... There's a lot of talk about who potentially is the best back in the league. If you watch his first touchdown on Thursday night, he got hit at about the 10-11 yard line and still found his way to the end zone. Um, he had a very similar run in the third quarter when he rumbled for about 25 yards. He just does not go down on first contact. It's so many yards after the, the initial contact. And you add in the fact that Cleveland's offensive line, I believe he's ranked second by PFF through two weeks of the season. I said that's what needed to improve. And even in a massive defeat against the Ravens, the O-line played pretty well. Things potentially looking rosy in the garden. Which leads us on nicely, fellas. I'm just going to do what I always do at this time now. And I'm going to get out my very, very nice and shiny full 10-yard season guide for the 2020 season and turn to the week number three fixture list. And I can see we've got a full 10-yard <laughs> derby on the slate, Mr. Voss. The Washington football team travel to uh, Cleveland. Are we having a little bet this weekend? We can. And and let's just say I'm going to have to stock up on my own tins of beans because whatever whatever sandwich I have in my position, I think I'm going to be handing it over to you. So I, I'm I'm happy to put a sandwich on because it, it's got to be done. Just like when um, when Tim, we've got, we've got our two games um, to come as well. So I'll happily put on... The, the sandwich bet, but I am not confident whatsoever. Not with Dwayne Haskins under centre. Uh, sounds good to me, mate. Sounds good to me. Brown's getting some good help. Could have Kirk back. Cousins. <laughs> um, just, just, just one last little bit of retro love. There have actually been seven pairings of 1,000-yard um, partners in a team going back to 1972. One of them, in 1985, was actually the Cleveland Browns. That was Kevin Mack and Ernest Biner. So, I don't know if you, you knew that, Sean. I did know the stat, mate. I obviously knew Mack and Biner were a dynamic duo in their own right. But, um, yeah, like, like I was alluding to in terms of 
of Chubb and Hunt. I mean, that could well be the game plan moving forward. Give Nick Chubb the first three quarters, wear the defence down. He's such a tough runner. Uh, and when the defence is gassed, just hand the ball off to Kareem Hunt. Baker Mayfield threw an interception um, on his final pass of Thursday night and didn't have to actually throw another one. The drive was, was six plays, 75 yards rushing. And if you can do that against a team when they know that you're trying to run the football, things are certainly looking good, aren't they? And uh, the last... The last thousand yard pairing, most recent one. Ooh, Tim, hey. throwing it out to you as well. I'll go. No, I was. I was going to go. I was going to go. Jackson and Mark Ingram. Well <laughs> done. Well done. You you've had the old Mister Google on, haven't you? No, no, that was just a guess because I, I I was I was making fun that Lamar Jackson's a quarterback. Harsh. Harsh, but true that he was yeah. indeed part of that thousand-yard pairing. So there we go. There we even go. a blind, even a blind nut finds a squirrel. Uh, even a blind nut <laughs> finds a squirrel. Even a blind squirrel finds a, finds oh, a nut. <laughs> oh Jesus! Let's get let's get out of here. Jesus. I think I think that, I think that, I think that's definitely time to get out of here, boys. Just before you do, Lawrence, we've mentioned it. It's it's our team's facing off against each other. What do you want to see in week three, mate? Give me one thing you're looking forward to. I, I, think, I'm, I think I'm actually going to look out Josh Allen. I really am. I think I'm going to concentrate. I'm going to find his game and I'm going to watch the whole game. I haven't watched him for the first two weeks in terms of live. I think I'm going to enjoy, enjoy watching Josh Allen. Tim, I'm looking yourself? forward to. Tim, yourself? Uh, for me, um, I'm looking. For, I don't want to see any injuries in week three. I've had enough of them, and I think if we have any any more injuries, I think the New York Jets might actually be competitive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I joke. Um, no, I'm really looking forward to um, seeing how Dallas try and dig their way out of a hole in in Seattle in week three. Yeah, well, I'm actually looking forward to week three's Monday night football. It's not often that I think Monday night football has the guess, had the best game on the slate, but I think Ravens, Chiefs, that's going to take some beating, fellas. We'll obviously be back next Monday to talk before that all goes down. Obviously, keep your eyes peeled to the full 10 yards throughout the week for your regular batch of NFL content. You'll have your takeaways tomorrow for Tuesday. Deep dive is coming from Alex this week, looking at a few players and what they produced. You'll have your preview piece from myself on Thursday the big TV review or preview I should say coming out on Friday plenty of stuff coming your way obviously got all the boys in fantasy and college beavering away in their respective branches as well bringing you all the football content you could possibly possibly need Uh, so fellas absolute pleasure as always and let's get out of here it's goodbye from Lawrence and just one final note just on Gore Watch he now needs just 1,292 yards to eclipse Walter Payton. So, thanks for that. Go on, the human cockroach. And Tim? Uh, Noah Igbenogany, believe in monogamy, likes mahogany. Good Lord, we've had far too many puns for one week, fellas. I'm going I'm to end this nonsense now and say those immortal words of Kevin Cable. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards or email the show, full10yards at gmail.com.